Please remain standing and share in God's good word together. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. This year at Acts 2, we've been celebrating a different kind of Christmas. And so if this is your first time with us, I want to share with you a little bit about what we've learned. So here's some things that we've learned together. The first thing I want to share with you is that if we're not good news to the poor, we're not good news at all. We know in Jesus' preaching, in Jesus' teaching, in Jesus' ministry, in His life, He cares about the widow and the orphan, the hungry, the hurting. This is who our Savior is. In His first sermon, Jesus said this from the prophet Isaiah. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about Him spread through all the surrounding country. And He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When He came to Nazareth, His hometown where He'd been brought up, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was His custom. And He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God's Spirit had come upon Him. He is the anointed one to bring good news to the poor. And those of us who say we follow Him, we are to do the same. So if we're not good news to the poor, we're not good news at all. Secondly, we make room for Jesus in our lives when we give up on perfect. If we are absolutely committed to making everything go our way at Christmas, then we never even take the time to talk to Jesus about what a perfect Christmas might look like for him on his birthday. So we have to give up on perfect to make room for God to work in our lives. We have to open up our hands and our lives and our arms and our hearts and our minds so that the Christmas that God wants us to have can come. Because certainly if we look at Mary and Joseph and the baby that first Christmas... Well, if most of us were judging it, we wouldn't have thought of it as perfect at all. We remember that Mary was a teenager. She was an unwed 14-year-old girl 80 miles away from home, right? Nazareth is in the north. She travels all the way down to Jerusalem and then drops on down to Bethlehem. That's 70 to 80 miles away, and she's either walking it or on a donkey. That's like if you're living here in Oklahoma City, that's, that's basically walking to Sepulpa or Tulsa. That is a long journey, especially if you're pregnant. My goodness. So remember, first Christmas, not perfect at all. Mary's an unwed 14-year-old girl 80 miles away from home when she gave birth to Jesus in a barn, in a stable, in a horse trough uh, or an animal trough. This is where God chose to come to earth in a lowly, poor outbuilding. Another thing we learned together is that our King Jesus is coming back and values people more than things. It's been said that we are to love people and use things, and so often we can get that exactly backwards. 
Jesus says he looks at our hearts and he looked at the heart of the widow who put in a penny, but that was all she had. And Jesus said, we're to be like her. It doesn't matter if you give thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to the church uh, or to charity organizations. Uh, That's great, but that's not what impresses God. God is impressed by your heart. What impressed him about the widow is that she was all in for helping people in need. There were these little boxes around the temple and they were all labeled with different things. And when the widow saw uh, the one that really moved her heart, she gave everything she had to help those who were in need. And we're to do the same. Jesus says that is what the kingdom of God looks like. The other thing that we learned tonight and we remember today is that the baby is the savior of the world. Jesus, the baby, is also the savior of the world. The good news, the gospel within the gospel is found in John 3, 16. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Now, who is this for? Everyone. Say it with me. Everyone. Because God so loved the world. And the word world in the Bible there is cosmos. Right? It's not church people. It's not even religious people, although we're included. Cosmos includes those people that do not even know about God or love God back. God loves every person on the planet, and we are to do the same. So God so loved the world that he gave, that's who God is, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Friends, You can't miss this. The good news of Christmas is that God came to save. And he chose to do that through the baby Jesus, who's going to grow up and judge the living and the dead. Yes, the baby will grow up to be the judge of the entire world. Each and every one of us will come to see the beautiful, wonderful, loving Savior face to face. When this life ends, there's another world that awaits. And Jesus is the judge of what happens next. And if we're smart, we'll invite him to be the judge of what happens right now, today. Because he is the only good and just and loving judge. He's the one that has come to save the entire world. So the scripture goes on. Maybe you don't know this part of John 3. A lot of people like to stop at John 3, 16, but it goes on. I want you to see what's next. And this is the judgment, the Bible says, That the light, Jesus, Jesus is the light of the world. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. You see, friends, Jesus came to save. Yep, that's what he came to do. But we are the ones who judge ourselves by hiding the truth about us. We hide our evil deeds. We, want, we just want to you know, do some image, image management and let people see the good parts of our lives. And God says, no, no, no. We have to come as we are or not at all. So Jesus, yes, came to save, but we judge ourselves by hiding our evil deeds from the light of Christ. And if we're not truthful, there's no light in us because Jesus is the way and he's the truth and the life and the light of the world. So the light of Christ is the light of the world that changes everything. Everything in the world changes because Christ has come at Christmas. And it is his light that lights up the whole world. And we live and see and move and have our being by that light. 
This is one of my favorite quotes, and I think it's perfect for Christmas. It's from C.S. Lewis. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. And that's how it is with Jesus. It's not that we just believe in Jesus. Of course we do. But we know and believe everything else about our lives by Jesus. The way we live our lives today is heavily influenced by the fact that we know that the rest of our life is in the loving hands and arms of our Savior Jesus for ourselves and for all those that we love who've gone before us. It's a great comfort in these days of darkness. So, how do we worship this baby Jesus, the Savior and Judge of the world, on this, his birthday? Well, John 3 has a little more to go, has a little more to teach us. And it says this, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he spent some time there with them and baptized. So Jesus is baptizing. Well, guess what? John, also baptizing at the same time, at Anon near Salim, because water was abundant there. You have to baptize people where there's water, right? And people kept coming and they were being baptized. So here's the scene. Jesus is baptizing people. John is baptizing people. And you know when a lot of wonderful, good God stuff's going on? Well, just wait. There's going to be somebody trying to stir up trouble. And that's exactly what happened. Now, a discussion about purification arose between John's disciples and a Jew. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi. Now, you'll see that Jesus is also a rabbi. So they're, they're trying to set up this false competition, and John's not going to fall for it. So they say, oh, rabbi, the one who was with you across the Jordan to whom you testified, here he is baptizing, and all are going to him. Now, you're the one that used to have big crowds, and everybody used to come to you. Now they're going to Jesus. What do you think about that, John? Stir in the pot. Watch John. John answers, no one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I'm not the Messiah. I am not the Christ. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. It's the same word. I'm not the Messiah. He says, no, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, a phrase that John's using for himself. No, no, I'm the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He, meaning Jesus, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. Say that with me. Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. What's that saying? More of you, Jesus. Less of me. If you really want to worship Jesus, you want to honor Jesus, our prayer is this. More of you, Jesus. More about what you want. More about what concerns you, more of your love, more of your light, more of your service to others, more help to the poor, more food to the hungry, more clean water to those who don't have it, and less of my own selfish whims, wants, or desires. Yes, say it with me. More of you, Jesus, less of me. One more time is our prayer. More of you, Jesus, less of me. Mike Slaughter, in his book, Christmas is Not Your Birthday, has a quote I want to share with you because it really touched me and I I hope it'll touch your heart as well. He says this, At Christmas we celebrate a Messiah who was born to die. Like Christ, we are called to give ourselves sacrificially for the world God loves. We are equipped to serve, we are blessed to bless, and we are loved 
to love. Equipped to serve, blessed to bless, loved to love. This is who we are as the people of God this Christmas. And together, as we take these things seriously, we can have a different kind of Christmas. Amen? Amen. Our action step for this week, uh, and you know what it is because it's at all of our candlelight services, it's to give one more dollar to Jesus on his birthday than we spend on ourselves or on our families because it's his birthday. It is Jesus' birthday, so we want to celebrate him. Amen? Of course we do. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.